Thank you, ladies, and I pray that that is your desire as a mom to lead your children to God. Very, very important task. You know, mothers are, have a lot more responsibilities, or different, I guess, responsibilities today in a, in a world that's gone crazy, it, it appears. Uh, sometimes we wish that raising kids could be like uh, having puppets. And we just, uh, all we have to do is stick our hands in them and, and make them say what we want to say and, and do what we want to do. And boy, wouldn't that be easy? And you think, oh, yeah, and you could have two of them going, and, and I don't know how you'd handle three, but, uh, and you can make him say, if I was a ventriloquist, I could make him say whatever I wanted him to say. But we can't do that with our own kids. We never know what they're going to say. Uh, just this week, Hazel, uh, I think she's three years old, our little granddaughter, she went and uh, was visiting with John's mom, so her grandma, and visiting with her. And, and so uh, she said to grandma, grandma, uh, you're daddy's mommy, right? And she said, yes. And she said, daddy's really going to be sad when you die. You just don't know what they're going to say. And so uh, it's not as easy as raising a puppet. Sure, a puppet is a handful and two hands full, whatever. But they're nothing like raising real kids. A, dis a great description that I ran across of a mom is found in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14. And you don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read this. Then we're going to turn to the Old Testament and read a passage in 2 Kings, so you can kind of be finding that. As I read this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14, it says, in the context here, is that he's talking to widows, but then he says, younger widows... And in those days, some of the husbands were killed because of Jesus Christ. And so there were younger widows that, that maybe didn't have kids yet or maybe had some uh, little kids. And now he tells these younger widows they're, they're going to be moms. So this is, or they are moms already. Paul says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, they've lost their husbands, marry, bear children, Guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. I underline this phrase, guide the house. Guide the house. Uh, moms, you are house guides. Your copy of the scriptures might, might say, manage your homes. Moms, manage your homes. That's a position that God gives you to be a house guide. Guide those in your house. Teach them, lead them. Where are you leading them? Lead them to God. And it's going to be through Jesus Christ that you lead them to God, a house guide. I find a lot of my time is, is saying, uh, asking Cindy, how can I help? How can I help? What should I be doing? And she says, well, either uh, put the dishes away or can you get the laundry out and put it away or or can you uh, look at your job list? And, and she's the house guide. And I accept the fact that she's the house guide. She makes my job list. 
I appreciate if I do something that's not on my job list, I take my pen and write on there on the bottom of the list, and then I cro- highlight it. I don't cross it off. I want her to be able to see what I've done, and I just, I love lists. And not that I make them. I, I, I don't know how to make a job list, but Cindy does. I love fulfilling the job list because she's a house guide. She's always been a house guide for us, uh, especially being a pastor. I think of the, the times that Sunday morning I would get up, dress in the clothes that she laid out the night before, and then I would be off to church, sitting in my office, going over my message. And what took place at home was she was the house guide, here, 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 here. And she, of course, she had the clothes laid out the night before for all the kids, and they, they learned to, to, um, to do that. But she would guide them. And in the Old Testament, I find a good example of a house guide in 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning with verse 8. Uh, 2 Kings. Now, there, if you find Samuel, you're getting close. Just keep heading towards the back, and you'll find King, 1 Kings, and then 2 Kings. If you find First and Second Chronicles, you've gone too far, so head back towards the front. So uh, in this passage... Uh, this example of what a house guide is, uh, I want you to pick out some things you see that make her a good house guide. I can't read all of the verses because of the time this morning, but I'm going to read a number of verses. So listen, follow along. Uh, kids, if you have your Bibles, uh, your mom and dad can help you find it. And so verse 8 of Second Kings chapter 4 And it fell on a day that Elisha, and Gehazi is with him as his servant, passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, or on the roof, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber, and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said unto Gehazi, say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us. You've taken care of us with all of your care. What is to be done for thee? Would thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is there to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child. And her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called this woman, called her, she stood in the door and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. And the woman conceived. And bear a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. 
And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Now, I'm not going to leave the story there, but for now, I want us to see some characteristics of this house guide. What did she do? I, I think uh, I, I've got four characteristics that kind of scramble things together to fit uh, looking at her life and, and putting them into four categories. I think the first is to be sensitive. Here was a, a lady that was sensitive to those that had needs around her. She's looking around. It says that she was a, a great lady. It doesn't mean that she ate at the buffets. Uh, it, it didn't mean that she was a, a plus size, a large size. It meant that she was wealthy. She had resources. And so she is sensitive to use those resources for God. She's sensitive to the needs of Elisha. I like how it's put there. It's almost humorous. She was a great woman. She constrained him to eat bread. It wasn't that she was so strong because she was great and strong, but she constrained. Women have a way of, of, of getting men to do what they're supposed to do. And she says, you need to come and eat. Uh, I think of you moms that uh, you're house guides, so you need to be sensitive to the needs of your kids and say, hey, get in here. It's time to eat. Sit down at the table. Wash your hands. Sit down at the table. Uh, fold your hands. We're going to pray. Uh, get ready to eat. And you eat your vegetables, and you're not getting any dessert until you eat what's good for you. I just uh, Maybe she was saying that she constrained him to eat whole wheat bread. I'm sure it was whole wheat back then but constrained him to eat bread and maybe vegetables and, and maybe he had to uh, drink juice uh, uh, that was not sweetened or whatever. She constrained him to eat bread. Um, limits, the limitations of a husband, she realized what they were. She was sensitive to his inabilities. Uh, he was unable... Uh, Men do not think the same way women think. And so later in the story, when this little boy has a heat stroke or something, he's crying out, my head, my head, uh, and she, he sends him to his mom uh, and dies, we find out that she realized the limitation of her husband. Her husband couldn't bring her son back. She was sensitive to that. She didn't go and... and and scold him or chew him out for not trade, taking care of her son. She knew that if she wanted her son back, she had to go to God. But she is sensitive. Uh, you don't need to have children to be a house guide or a home manager. You don't need, uh, she doesn't have any children at this time. And yet she's still, uh, you don't need to even be married to be a house guide or a home guide. But you do need to be sensitive to the needs around you. And during this time, there are a zillion needs around us. And more so than uh, eight weeks ago. We're just seeing it. It's just beginning to build the needs that are around here. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 4, Paul says, Look not every man upon the things uh, of, his own, of his own. But look also onto the things of others. And it's not talking about being envious of what other people have. It's recognizing the needs that other people have. And they have great needs. 
around us. There are great needs uh, right through the, the fellowship hall and in the back behind the door, there is a cart loaded with boxes and boxes of food. Uh, Rita and ladies have been here uh, all week putting these boxes together because it won't take very long before those boxes are all gone because people have needs around here. Thursday, I received a phone call. And it was 12.30. I was getting ready to go uh, home for lunch, and a lady called and said, is your food shelf open? And I said, well, uh, this isn't the normal day. It's the second and fourth uh, Thursday of the month. But if you have a need, people call in, and either we can come and bring you some food, or you can stop and get some food. She said, oh, and I said, well, I'll be back at 1.30. I'm, I'm taking off now and get something to eat. She said, perfect. And so at 1.30, she was here. I carried a box of food and a bag of frozen food and, and a dessert and put them in the back of the car. She said, bless you, bless you. You know, so grateful because people around us have needs. And our responsibility is to look, to be observant, to be sensitive to the needs of those around us. Here, uh, you know, men are not quite so sensitive. So it's good to have a wife. They fulfill you. They, they meet the needs. Uh, they do things. They remind you of things that we don't, do not think about all of the time. But we need to be sensitive to the needs of others. The... Uh, for moms and COVID moms, I imagine the past few weeks, it's been get your homework done, take your nap, uh, put your clothes away, uh, tell the truth, obey your parents, you're, you're the teachers there, uh, see the needs around you. There have been elderly people that, that I know the pastors, we kind of divide them up in our, in our uh, prayer time every morning. And we divide up, mention, call this person, this person, and they've been doing that. Maybe you've been calling elderly people in our church. I hope so. Um, they don't get out much. Maybe you've been calling your parents and talking with them. Maybe it's uh, taking them meals. Heard a number of that, those going on where, where meals, and you put it on the doorstep and ring the doorbell, take off, or just... Uh, cookie drops going on. A uh, uh, handful of times, we've heard the doorbell ring, and, and I've gone to the door and opened it, and here are some goodies there. And I know one, one, of, one day, one of our teachers was running back to her car and uh, trying to get away before we answered the door. And it wasn't too long after that, another day, that heard the doorbell ring, and I opened the door, and and looked, and here was a plate of cookies, and looking around, and then noticed hiding in the bushes, because there's not much bush to our bushes yet, uh, three little kids, our next-door neighbors, that come over. They had to crawl underneath our electric fence, and they did it. Uh, they made it, and, and uh, they, crawled, they were crawling under the fence and hiding in the bushes, and, and one of them looked, and I waved to them, and and he, he said, you caught us, you caught us, just little kids. And so uh, they look around, and look around, see how you can help those around you. Be sensitive to that, to those needs, to the comfort of others. 
I, I think in verses 18 and 20, this lady says, when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and uh, that's when he said, uh, my head, my head, the, the lad, so apparently this boy is just a, a toddler, or maybe he's old enough to be out in the field running around, playing, having a great time, uh, but small enough so that a, a young a hired hand could pick him up and carry him back. But she was sensitive to his needs. What was his need at that time? Somebody to hold him. I think lots of times that's what people need, just somebody to talk to them, just somebody to hold them, kids, just to hold your kids. Here she holds them until noon, it says. I think she, uh, they're making a point in this story uh, that uh, he, she is holding her son on her lap Till noon. What does that mean? Well, for me, it means there was nothing more important for her. That day, from the time the son got there until noon, there was nothing more, until he dies, there's nothing more important to her than just to hold her son. What did you do today, Mom? Just held my kid, my baby. Is there anything more important? No, no. Just holding him till he Till he died. Now, the rest of the story is, and I'll just kind of tell it, the rest of the story is, is that she asked her husband, uh, a donkey and a servant, and, and they, she lays the, the boy on the boy's bed, or on Elisha's bed, and then goes and finds Elisha and Gehazi. And they find Elisha, and Elisha eventually comes back and uh, and uh, in prayer and lays his body over the body of the child, and the child comes back to life. And so he's able to give, his, um, give her son back to her at that time. But be sensitive to the needs of others. She is sensitive. It says in verse 9, I perceive. Now she perceives a lot more than her husband perceives. I perceive. I, I understand. I see this. So she is sensitive. Um, most of the times, moms even have to be the spiritual leaders. And it shouldn't be that way, but often it is. They carry a lot of the spiritual guidance for, well, maybe shouldering most of that. Now, men, we need to do as much as we can. Uh, maybe we need to take our turn to read to our kids at night and to pray with them. Let them see that we love God and uh, willing to do whatever for God. And, and so maybe your wife seems to be the spiritual leader and probably does most for your children. But maybe she's the one that, uh, that invites a family over for your house church. Maybe she's the one that has to make the lunch for the guests that are there. Probably uh, she is sensitive to the needs of others. Uh, this woman is also sensible. She said, Elijah and Gehazi pass through here every time they go to the school of the prophets. So they're coming through quite often. Uh, they pass by us continually. Why would they do that? Well, they're head headquartered to Mount Carmel, and they're going to go to the school of the prophets in uh, the Jordan River. And so every time they, they hike 16 miles, they get to Shunem, and uh, they need a break. It's probably an overnight break. And so 
the woman says, it only makes sense, husband, we don't know either of their names, it only makes sense, husband, that we build them a place and help meet their needs, a a little room up on our our roof, and uh, where they can have beds, and they can have a table, and chair, and a lamp uh, at night, and they can prepare their studies for the School of the Prophets, and so it only makes sense. See, she's sensible. And uh, so uh, a house guide needs to be sensible. Use, let's use our resources, is what she said. Let's use our resources to meet the needs of others. Why? Well, how does that make sense? We're spending our money to help somebody that just comes through town once in a while. And she sees it as an eternal investment. Everything that she does for this man of God counts for eternity. It's not just uh, uh, for a lifetime or not just for until he gets too old to teach at the School of the Prophets. It's eternal. It's profitable. Of course, anything that's done for eternity is profitable. Uh, Jesus, in the parable we were looking at last Sunday, uh, says that you have been faithful over a few things on this earth. I am going to make you ruler over many things in glory. Well, you can't beat the, uh, that investment. Uh, make an investment that's going to count for longer than just today or just this life. So use your resources for others. It's just sensible to gain favor with them. It, it, it talks about gaining favor with God and man. That's what we're supposed to do. Why? Because when we need favor, they will be there to help us. We talk about our church here at First Baptist being a hospital. We're made up of sick people, but every now and then we're whole enough to help somebody else. Because next week we might be the one that needs to be held, that needs to be helped, that needs to be encouraged. And so we just continually, the, the, the cycle here of the, the hospital uh, picture is what she is doing here. I have no needs, but I can help Elisha and through it actually serve God. And so uh, she uses her resources to gain favor with God and man. She uses her requests to honor God. I like how she makes her request in verse 10. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee. Please, can we do this? Will you give permission? We can do this together? Is this a good request to her her husband? She's not, uh, she isn't demanding. Uh, She's not presumptuous. She doesn't expect anything in return. Because when they say, hey, uh, you've been good to us, how can we be good to you? That's what Elisha says to this woman. And the woman says, I have no needs. She wasn't expecting. At this time, she had no needs. He says, well, I can speak to the king and to to the generals, and you can be, uh, they will support you. You can go to the palace, and you can stay there and live with them. She says, I don't want it. I live with my family. I am satisfied. And uh, then Gehazi says she has no children. And when it gets to verse 16, it, it says, uh, at this time of life, at, 
according to the time of life, you shall embrace a son. And what does she say? Well, here it says, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God. I like, she says, I know you're a man of God. I know God can do anything, but do not lie to thine handmaid. What is she saying here? She is saying, hey, don't kid. Don't joke about this. This is serious. Don't get my hopes up. Don't promise something that, that you can't deliver or your God can't deliver. Don't do this, please. Are you kidding? Really? Oh, that would be great. But uh, she wasn't presumptuous. She didn't say, okay, this is what you deserve, to, or this is what I deserve, give it to me. But she is sensible. Uh, during her crisis when her son dies, her request to God is only you can recover or only you can give life to my son. I, I want us to see in this passage, too, that ultimately God is responsible for our health. I mean, we have to be careful. We have to be sensible. But ultimately, God is sovereign. And he's sovereign over all the world, not just some things. He is sovereign over the galaxies. He's sovereign over this earth. He's sovereign over people's lives. He's sovereign over the earthquakes. He's sovereign. He's in charge of COVID-19. Well, why would he allow this? Well, it, we don't know the answer. But it is working in his will some way. And sometimes we can be so fearful of COVID-19 that we're not fearful of God, who is sovereign, who is in charge. And so her request is directed to God when her son dies because there's no other place uh, that she can turn. He is sovereign over the life of that little boy. And he returns it to his mom. The health of our bodies are under his control, but the health of our souls certainly uh, is under his control. He determines those that have rejected and that we accept. Can, there comes a time when he judges, and his sovereignty will send men to hell or uh, send men to heaven. And so uh, here it is, this mom is crying out for her son, mom's Today, cry out for your son, the souls of your kids. Please uh, hold on to the feet of God like this lady does. And in verse 27, it says that as she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. And Gehazi, the servant, tried to push her away. And uh, Elisha said, soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me what it is. But you can see, she's obviously vexed. Moms, it's okay to be vexed for your kids. It's okay to, to kneel down by their beds after they're asleep and cry out to God that, that he will save their souls, and, and that she might be the teacher and uh, to teach and to lead, the house guide, to lead that child to God. Pray for them. Maybe it's uh, moms praying for their dads, the kids' dad. But uh, cling to the feet. That was in one place. And it says again in verse 37, when they had the child restored, she went, fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground, 
It took up her son who was living at this time and went out. So moms, be uh, sensible and realize what is important. And the important thing about uh, you, uh, your ministry, your life, is to lead your children to Jesus Christ. Most important thing you can do. Lead your children to Christ. So uh, when she was sensitive, she was sensible, I think the next part here in verse 13, she was satisfied. How can we help you? She said, I'm satisfied. I'm happy. I'm just happy serving others. And there are a lot of unhappy people in this world today. I mean, right now, you, you go someplace, you see how unhappy they are. There are a lot of people that are unhappy in their marriages. And uh, they'll remain unhappy if they're not a thankful person. See, this, uh, she was satisfied. But there are marriages that they're not satisfied. They expect 50-50, but it can't be 50-50. If, uh, if your math is, I'll, I'll be, uh, give 50% uh, to my husband and he'll give 50% to me, no, it's 100%, 100%. Yeah, but I don't want to be treated like a servant. I, I don't need to take this any longer. I'm through. I'm out of here. You're treating me like scum. Well, Christ says that uh, you're bond slaves if you're serving Christ. And just because your spouse treats you like a bond slave doesn't mean that you walk out on them. You are just living the way God wants us to live as bond slaves to him. A lot of people are unhappy today, are unsatisfied today with their homeschool students. I am so glad that school finished Friday for us uh, in our school. And so all the kids are saying, yay, and the parents are saying, the moms especially are saying, yay. I couldn't do it any longer. Uh, but uh, this, these are great days to practice being satisfied, saying, thank you, Lord. You know, you go someplace and they're mad at you if you don't wear a mask or they're mad at you if you do wear a mask or you're, they're mad at you if you do follow the arrows. They're mad at you if you don't follow the arrows. They're mad at you if you have arrows at all. Uh, they're, they're mad at you if you open your business and they're mad at you if you don't open your business. Just a, a lot of opportunities to say, thank you, Lord. I mean, working on the golf cart this week, this past week, and um, got out my tool kit and my socket sets and, and uh, opened it up the wrong way, and they all fell out on the ground. And it was a good opportunity for me to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just be satisfied. She was sensitive and sensible and satisfied. And lastly, uh, she was spiritual. When facing a crisis, where do you turn? She knew where to turn. And we're going to have crises in our lives, and we're living through one now for a lot of people. Where do you turn? She didn't turn to her husband. Now, she turned to her husband to say, hey, this is what I need. I need a, a, a servant or a hired hand, and I need a donkey. And so she turned to her husband, and her husband did what he could. So husbands, we do what we can for those that have crises. But we can't do everything. And wives need to understand that husbands can't meet all of their needs. And husbands need to know that wives cannot meet all of their needs. Uh, so there are needs. God created us so that we need him. 
And so this woman knew she needed her husband for a hired hand and a donkey, and he provided it. But he doesn't hinder her from going to God. And and that's uh, something for us to take. Don't hinder your wives from going to God. Don't hinder your wife. Don't make fun of your wife because she has a quiet time with the Lord, that she spends time. Don't hinder your wife if she is sensitive to the needs of others and you say, I'm not going to give another dollar. I know men that uh, won't let their wives give any funds to the church, and uh, the wives say, okay, they submit to their husbands, but God knows. And then when they have opportunity, they, they help in other ways. But husbands, don't hinder your wife. Uh, she goes to the, to the uh, man of God or goes to God. In her eyes, she is going to God. When she talks to him, it's talking about his God. And so uh, th- this husband is good in that way. He also was not so good in when the, the son got the, had the heat stroke or fell ill. I don't know how he did it. I'm hoping he didn't do it this way. When the little kid comes to his dad and says, Daddy, my head is hurting, my head is hurting, I hope that he didn't uh, say, I, I, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, you uh, go back to your mom. Uh, go back to her. Uh, I've got work to do. I've got, I've got the crops to bring in. I hope he didn't do that, but, and then say, just take him to his mom. Yeah, just out of here. Uh, maybe he was more gentle, more kind than that. I hope that he was. But uh, where do you turn during crisis? Well, maybe to your husband, maybe to a spouse, maybe to your friends. But uh, ultimately, you need to turn to God. There are things that they cannot do, nor should we expect them to do. Uh, She turned to God because by this time, she had a personal relationship with God. She knew something. Would we believe that God would raise our child if it died? She does. She has great faith in Elisha's God. Only God could give her a son in the first place, and only God could give her son back to her again alive. And so it was very important when facing a crisis, be spiritual, turn to God, be sensitive, be sensible, be satisfied, be spiritual. In Christ, a dead boy lives, which is the only way any of us can really live, isn't it? In Christ, through Christ. No man comes to the Father. No man gains eternal life. Uh, we are in Ephesians chapter 2. We are dead people, walking dead. And uh, until we come to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive us and save us, then we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We become a child of God, a son of God, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit within us. And so that's the only way any of us can live. And only the way any of us can hope for eternity. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And so in Christ, a dead boy lives. In Christ, a mom receives grace. The story of Christ is grace. What she did not deserve, she got a son. When the son dies, she got her son back again. 
Later in chapter 5, she loses her home during a famine. God in his grace gives it back to her, arranged it all for her, God's grace. My challenge for you today is to make Elisha's God your God. He is greater than any crisis that we might face. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you might encourage the mothers today to remain faithful during tough times. I know every mom uh, that has been teaching lately has been pulling their hair out because uh, of all of the frustrations that come. And this time is, is filled with frustration. Encourage them, help them to realize that they can turn to their spouses and friends for some things, but there are some things that only you can make right, can take care of. So I'm asking that you might do that for them today, please. I pray if there's somebody listening that has never placed their faith in you, in, you, in Jesus Christ, that they might do it even at this time. Call on the name of the Lord. Ask you to save them and place their faith in you that they might do it now. And I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.